As it said in that song, as it says in the gospel, there is a world that's ready for you, and it's the world where we believers in Jesus are faithful to being Jesus' disciples. You have a place to belong. You know, it's kind of fascinating that today we're, we're ending at the beginning, because when we started this series, we began at the end. At the end of it, Reverend Vicki preached for us, and we talked about what it's like what it's like at the end when the vision, the kingdom takes place. We have people who are different from one another join hands with one another and make change in the world. We talk about what it means for people to come together across different divides. And what does it mean that God wants us to do that? To be able to leave what we're familiar with, to maybe be a little uncomfortable and to go ahead and do it anyway. So we started at the end, and we've been working our way backwards as we go through Romans. We've been going backwards in the story of the musical. So the number you just heard actually is the beginning of Hairspray. It's the beginning of the show, and it shows Tracy before her transformation. It shows her family has a long way to go. You know, Tracy is living in inner city Baltimore, and she's on her way to work, and she's so excited about just life, and she just really doesn't see what's right before her, you know? Uh, Reverend Vicki showed the clip of Tracy becoming aware. It's like I've been living in a bubble. You know, where was I? Maybe we need to get together and change the world. And so in this song, she's still in her bubble. She sings to the rats. Did you notice? The rats are wishing her a good day. The bum in the bar is wishing her a good day. The flasher is wishing her a good day. You know, so this is all on her way to school. They're all wishing her a good day. She doesn't seem to be in touch yet with what is right around her. And then she misses her school bus in this scene in the show. She misses her school bus, so she actually finds another chariot to take her to school. And the chariot that takes her to school is a garbage truck. And if you've remembered this scene, it's in grand song, full voice. She's riding on top of the garbage truck on her way to school like it is just the best thing that ever to get delivered to school on top of a garbage truck. You know, maybe her bubble needs a little work. But if you know a little bit more about Baltimore history, you might know that before this show was written, before John Waters, who's really trying to tell us something in, with this show, that there was a huge strike in Baltimore, garbage collector strike in Baltimore around 1974. And in that strike, the garbage workers were trying to get a better raise. They were making $3 an hour, and the city contract was proposing $3.20, and they wanted $3.50 an hour, so from $3 to $3.50 for their minimum wage to be able to start working and maybe provide for their families from it. And so those garbage workers started a long strike and didn't pick up garbage, and Baltimore just stunk to high heavens. It was the middle of the summer that this happened. But as the sanitation workers did this, they were then joined by the sewer union. Then they were then joined by the zoo workers and the street workers. Um, and then they were joined, the pavers, the highway department, then they were joined by the police. All of them joined together to make change happen in Baltimore. And I believe this is what Paul is doing with the gospel of, uh, gospel of Paul in Romans, essentially saying that we have to work together for change. You Gentile Jews and you Christian Jews must work together. Because what happened in Baltimore, when they crossed lines and when they joined hands together, all the different groups, the police, the sanitation workers, the zoo workers, the highway department, they were able to transform what was going on in that city. 
You know, and, and, and part of that story, what is true of that time and place in Baltimore, was white flight had taken a serious toll. So inner city Baltimore looked very different than it had looked even five, ten years before. And so here are the, all those who are left joining hands to make it fair, to make it more just for the world. So Tracy riding on her garbage truck. The garbage truck folk rode in and they transformed the world. So John Waters is saying something with the scene of her coming in on a garbage truck because they were the ones who initiated change and transformation. And then we sing about it, you know? And, and that makes our hearts grow. And this show, this story, is really about the transformation of the Turnblatt family and what it meant that they chose not to leave inner city Baltimore, they chose to stay. What does it mean that they are the family that chose to stay in town? Maybe they couldn't move. Maybe they didn't have the resources to leave. Maybe they had to stay. But they're in inner city Baltimore and working in this show to transform it. So when we work with one another, transformation can happen. And so that story moves into Romans in some very clear ways. And Paul is really telling the Jewish Gentiles and the uh, Jewish Gentiles, Jewish Christians, <laughs> see if it really works, you know, <laughs> then the, and the Gentile Christians what it means to be a family together, what it means to be a community together. And we're in chapter 8 today, but I don't want to miss these flyover chapters because, you know, you have flyover states. We have some flyover chapters. We went from chapter 3 we, and 4. Now we've missed 5, 6, and 7, and we're in chapter 8 in the reading this morning. So quickly, I want to tell you what Paul does in these chapters. He continues to hammer his argument over and over again that you are one in one God. You are one in one God who made Jesus for us. You are one in Christ. He keeps hammering this over and over again in many ways to tell them they're not so different. And he starts off with Abraham as an example. He says, some of you claim your heritage in Abraham. You know, and you're proud of that heritage in Abraham. And, and, and you claim it as who you are, your pedigree, your sureness before God. And then Paul says, then you don't like those who are circumcised, but you know what? Guess what? Abraham was uncircumcised. You know, so Paul says the very leader, the very one you're claiming to have all your, your strength and pride in was one of the uncircumcised, the ones you're trying to keep out of the church today. And it's fascinating to me because when Paul reaches back to Abraham, it's also what Matthew did in the Gospel of Matthew when he traces Jesus' genealogy back to Abraham. That's how far Matthew goes back. And Paul is saying with Abraham that watch out, you know, God did go that far back, but it's not everyone. It's not all that God's doing. So Paul doesn't think he's gone far enough back. In the next chapter, he goes back to Adam. He talks about the example of Adam as a symbol for all of us, Jews and Gentiles. He talks about Adam having been the one who made this mistake at the beginning of time that Jesus rectifies now. He talks about Adam and, and reminds him to go back. And so that's what the Gospel of Luke does. Matthew went back to uh, Abraham, and, and Luke goes back to Adam. But then Paul doesn't stop there. He gets to where we are today. 
He's telling these warring factions to get over themselves, to go back and look at Abraham, go farther than that, go back and look at Adam. And then it says, you know what? Go farther back than that to the beginning of creation. Paul gets cosmic on us. He goes like the Gospel of John does and says, who was Jesus? Where was Jesus? Jesus was in the beginning, the Word. So in these flyover chapters, Paul has just laid the groundwork going from Abraham back to Adam, back to the beginning of creation, telling them God's doing something bigger than you can imagine. God's doing something bigger than you can even, even expect in your wildest dreams. It's that big. And like, um, oh, I heard something. I don't know what that was. Um, and like Christopher Plata said as Tr Tracy Turnblath, I'm going to out it who it is. If you didn't know, that was Christopher. Um, as he said in children's time, the beginning of time, goodness, if it takes two months for an uh, two years for an elephant to deliver a 300-pound baby, you know, what is the beginning of time like? If it is really 12, 13 billion years ago, what is creation really creating? What can we even imagine what God's birthing with a 13 billion gestation period? Oh, some of you might groan. You might know or feel like what that is like. We actually have two new babies in our church family. You know, two new babies in our church family. And uh, I, I, it was interesting because the first one that came was Eli, baby Eli. And he is Dominique and LJ's son. And, and Eli... It took a while for Eli to get into the world, past due date, past all this sort of stuff. Uh, Dominique and LJ are walking up and down the bayou over here by the church to try and start, you know, let's get this thing over with because it's been so long. Then she comes in to rest in the air conditioning in the church office, and she's leaned over the sofa like this, contraction, going, uh, uh, Eli is going to come right here. But the contraction, the labor pains for something good to happen. And uh, Eli still waited another week. Uh, so maybe Dominique has a special insight on what it means to groan, to groan in creation. And then this last Monday we had baby Ezra born. And Ruthie was here with us last Sunday. <laughs> Someone told me his face is what suffering looks like. And I said, <laughs> you know, uh, new, through the tra childbirth, this could be trauma to the infant, right? That's a lot of hard work to get born. And so Ruthie was here last Sunday, way past due, in the pew, you know, and so they waited a whole nother week and induced, and then he was born on Tuesday. And so Hazel and Ruthie and Zach welcome Ezra into their family. It's interesting to me that these two resurrection families have named their children biblical Hebrew scripture names of Ezra and Eli. So I don't know if they're already setting them up to be prophets uh, <laughs> in the world, but this is, this is what we're, we're working with here. There's a pastor, Reverend Alice McKenzie, that says why Paul used this. She said, Paul used this because it's a common human experience. It is intense. It is unavoidable. And it is a process that once begun must run its course. And as it runs its course, we pray for the best. We pray for healthy babies. We pray for healthy parents. We pray for all those in the world with difficulties conceiving. We pray that 
as it's begun and runs its course, that it runs its course well. That it runs its course well. But God is doing this for billions of years, creating what love is still creating among us. And we are a part of that great creation, Paul says. Paul says, Jesus is more than you can imagine, you Gentile Christians and you Jewish Christians. Maybe you can find a connection here, here in God's love, here in God's grace, and what God has done for you. And Jesus, he, and he's working hard to make it happen. So he gets big. He gets cosmic. He gets cosmic. All creation is groaning for all of us to be saved, for all the world to be adopted, for, for the animals, for all of, all of the things to be saved in creation, not just humans, but everything. It can be a hard thing to think about. It can be a hard thing to actually try and work for. It means you have to leave your home. You know, Edna in the movie stays home. You saw in the clip. Edna doesn't go out of the house at all. Her daughter tries to help her get out of the house and finally succeeds. But what keeps her there is what she thinks people will judge her by. What keeps her there is fear that the world's not going to treat her well. And so she stays inside, afraid to leave, and is finally called to leave. And I believe what Paul is saying is you are called to leave that which you're familiar with. You're called to leave that which you would hold on to forever. You may be called to leave that in order to have the chance to give birth to something new. You Gentile Christians can be transformed by these Jewish Christians. You Jewish Christians can be transformed by these Gentile Christians. The other, the one you have yet to know, the one you have yet to include in your family, can transform you and ask you to be about the work of transformation in the world. Now, Paul says there's suffering included in this. There's plenty of suffering as we try new things we're not used to yet. And I want you to see this clip from Edna in the show. She's gotten out of the house, but she's not so sure what it means to be out of the house. So here she is in a new environment. Before we get any more white people in here, this is going to be a suburb. Do you know what I had to pay a cab to, to consider coming down here? Oh, uh, no. No call. You just disappear and all mashed up against the crooner. Um, Edna Turnblad, this is Link. Come on, we're good. And Penny, get home before your mother shoots you. Miss Edna, is it? I mean, you don't have to rush off, you know. Well, I do. I left my iron on. Oh, yeah. Well, before you go, you sure you wouldn't like to have a little something to eat? Is that breeze? Edna knows where the center of her life is. The center of her life is that ironing board. It's how she's helped make money for her family. It's how she's contributed to what's going on in their life. 
she knows that even if she left the house, she, she's leaving the iron on because she's coming back. You know, she can't be gone for too long because she's leaving the iron on. And this is where she has contributed who she is to the family. And so she leaves, and she leaves the iron on. And I think in that moment when she shares that in this scene, Motormouth Maybell says, I know this woman. I, I know this woman. She's a working woman. She's a working woman like I'm a working woman. And, and maybe if we have that in common, maybe there's more that we can do together. And so Motormouth Maybell says, well, let's have a meal together. You know, and you see her being coaxed in, and she goes, and she finally asks, she says, you know, is that braised? I think that meant something to both of them. You know, if you know how to cook, you might be good people. <laughs> right? If you, if you know how to set a table and invite me to eat, cook, you, you might be good people, and we might be able to do something together. You know, and so, so Motormouth Maybell says, let's eat together, and then maybe together we can transform the world, which is what happens in this wonderful, funny movie, funny movie that's about serious stuff. I wonder what we see in one another where we can make a connection. I wonder when we leave this place what we see in others that maybe might say, you know, oh, I know who you are. I know who you are. You may look different from me. You may vote different from me. You may live different from me. But there's something about you. I know who you are. My mother had an experience about the same time the garbage strike was going on in New Jersey. We were a new family going to a new church, Gethsemane United Methodist in Sharpstown. And some of you know this story already. But at that church at the time, it was a completely white church. And there was some neighbors of us, ours, um, Effie and her kids, Maydell and Mansell. And my mom had been single, mother of two kids, for a long time. And when she met Effie with two kids, single, she said, I know you. I know you. And she said, come to church with us. So mom was then married at the time, but Effie came with her two kids, Maydell and Mansell, and they sat on the second pew of the church on the right-hand side in the front, the plumber pew. And all bedlam broke loose. But she said, I know you. If we stick together, maybe we can change the world. And maybe if this thing, this love, this faith that we know in Jesus is what connects us, beyond all of the other things, like Paul is saying, in a, some kind of cosmic way, perhaps we can help ourselves stick together and pay attention to that love in our life. So are you willing to recognize in the other something that is already connecting to you? Our common humanity, our love, our faith, are you willing to do that? Because if you do so, you might suffer, you can always come back to where the iron's on. You can always know where your center is. You can always go back to that place of love and how you contribute to the family that's growing. But you still got to leave the house. You got to leave the house and meet the other and possibly be transformed in the process. And say to one another, I know you. God loves you. I know you 
too. Suffering in this context for Paul is about caring. It's about connecting. It's about hoping. It's about loving. If you choose to care in this world, you're going to suffer. If you choose to love in this world, you're going to suffer. Someone else's heartbreaks are going to be your heartbreaks. If you choose to have compassion in this world, suffering is just a part of it. It means you love. And that is a very good thing. I want you to hear this quote from Stan Mest. Paul is not suggesting that if we don't suffer with Christ, we won't have Christ's glory, as though our suffering somehow earns that glory. Paul is simply saying that our union with Jesus by the work of the Spirit will always involve us in suffering as well as in glory. That transforms our suffering. The joy of Eli and Ezra transformed that suffering. Paul is saying the joy we're going to find will transform that suffering. Even in the middle of it, it gives it meaning. It gives it purpose because we know we're choosing to care. We're choosing to make a difference. We're choosing to hope. But Paul goes on in Romans to say, suffering doesn't have the final say. Suffering is not the end. Separation does not have the final say. Separation is not the end. It gets cosmic. We're all one people in the one God of the universe. Are you willing to hope? Are you willing to care? Are you willing to choose life that takes you outside the house, outside this church, knowing you can always come back to where the iron's on for a little bit more love, but then you have to go out again? We at Resurrection are God's people. It may feel like the world's going the wrong direction. It may feel like all that we've worked for so, lo so long is just going away so fast. You know, just going so fast. The suff what are the present sufferings of the day, the passage says? The sufferings now, the present sufferings. You know, it may feel like, gosh, why are we going back so far? Paul says, get out of the house right in the midst of it. Get out of the house right now. Go out and join hands with all of those you're not used to joining hands with. Join hands with all those you're not used to joining hands with. Because that's when you transform the world. Amen.